From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'll be talking about the future of social media and biotechnology communications with Bo Piella, Vice President of Corporate Communication at Genzyme, one of the world's foremost biotechnology companies. Over the past 10 years, Bo has directed many programs to gain visibility for Genzyme and build its reputation as an innovative, fast-growing, and socially responsible company. He currently directs a broad range of external and internal communications programs, including web communications and social media initiatives. Prior to joining Genzyme, Bo served as communications director for the Massachusetts Association of Health Plans and as a legislative aide in the Connecticut House of Representatives. Welcome to Market Edge, Bo. Thanks, Larry. It's great to be with you today. Hey, Bo, just for the sake of our audience, we've had some uh, other great, uh, you know, uh, healthcare category uh, um, interviews, uh, most specifically Paul Levy on uh, his blog of, of running a hospital, which uh, was very popular with the audience. But to get them up to speed, could you just tell us a little bit about Genzyme and sort of the health of the biotech industry in general um, uh, in the country right now? Sure. Well, Genzyme is a, is one of the uh, more established biotech companies. We are 10,000 people strong, and we have offices throughout the world in about 40 countries. And uh, we make medicines. Right now we have about 15 products. So the company's growing and, and doing very well. Um, the big news in our industry uh, happened this week when um, the largest biotech company in the world, Genentech, um, received an offer uh, from Roche. And uh, it looks like Roche is going to be taking over full control of, Gen, uh, of uh, Genentech. So that was... Uh, the big excitement in the industry. Yeah, what were they going to pay for them? I didn't even, I missed that one. Well, Roche owns um, a, a percentage of Genentech already, but has let them um, operate virtually independently for many years now. And they are buying the remaining 44% of Genentech, and they are offering, uh, at this point, $44 billion dollars. And wow. uh, uh, most speculators um, believe that Roche will have to increase its offer. Wow. That's amazing. So I guess it's pretty healthy, the industry, anyway. <laughs> the, well, you know, I mean, it, it's reflective of a trend where, um, you know, the large pharmaceutical companies are looking for growth opportunities. And you've seen a lot of acquisitions of biotech companies or potential acquisitions of biotech companies, and it's created a lot of uh, excitement um, in the industry. You know, Bo, um, I was there with you, but uh, you recently moderated a panel on uh, biotech in the blogosphere at 
bioconference in San Diego, and I was mm-hmm. blown away by how many people were there. It reminded me of the early days of Comdex and the technology industry. I mean, it was huge. Yeah. Um, but but specifically to the discussion and. You know what was what was your takeaway from the uh, sort of the biotech and blogosphere and bio in general? Well, bio in general was was amazing. I mean, there were twenty thousand people there. I think seventy countries were represented. Um, we hosted it in Boston last year, which was which was a great experience. Boston is one of the world uh, centers for biotechnology, as is San Francisco, and San Diego is a very important center for biotech as well. And like you, I was amazed at, you know, uh, the number of attendees. What really struck me was, you know, they have all sorts of sessions at the meeting and, of course, the uh, exhibition floor, but there was a tremendous number of side meetings going on. I think it's one of the best networking sessions you can get in our industry. On the uh, flight home, I sat next to a woman from Australia from a she worked for a company, I think they had fewer than 10 people, and so it was a big deal for her to, to, to go to the, to the bio meeting because she could get, she worked in business development and could get so much work done just walking the halls and setting up meetings during the, the four days of the convention. And, uh, you know, I had organized a panel there on social media because I think it's um, a topic that is daunting for many uh, communications managers particularly in our industry, and uh, wanted to be able to show uh, the audience some examples of companies that had dipped their toe in the water and had been able to accomplish some things. And uh, we had uh, representation from Johnson & Johnson, who um, has made some noise with their blog. Um, They've been running it for about a year now and uh, have really been able to open up the company a little bit and show a more personal side to this, you know, large multinational corporation. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we had a small biotech company, Vertex, who has really effectively used uh, a CEO blog for internal communications and, uh, you know, something that if it can be sustained could be a very nice complement to an overall communications program. And how about Genzyme? Uh, when did you guys start really getting into exploring this? I, I know with the Digital Influence Group you did, but when when did you start really realizing that this is something that was going to be important to Genzyme? And how did you dip your toe in the water mm. to, to to help some of our audience? Yeah, we um, you know the first light bulb went on. Uh, we hit, there was a story in uh, actually a series of stories in the Wall Street Journal at the end of two thousand and five high-profile front-page series uh, called The Most Expensive Drugs and really uh, highly critical of the of our industry and, and of Genzyme in particular for the cost of our therapies, um, which, you know, and if for the, for the uh, lay people listening, the, the biotech medicines tend to be more expensive because principally because the uh, patients, the number of patients who are using these treatments are are very small. We tend to focus on very rare diseases. Um, but we felt at that point a bit handicapped in our our ability to communicate our side of the story and um, began to wonder, are there other options for us, uh, to, more dynamic, flexible options that could allow us to communicate? And we, 
wondered if social media could help us, but at that point, it seemed um, very complex, mysterious, risky, and so we needed to understand it, and, and we did engage the Digital Influence Group to help us through that process, to be our guide, and um, to, do, to, you know, to try to work on some projects and learn through that experience. And um, we ended up um, focusing on a couple of areas. One, we um, focused on uh, the, the green communities online. Uh, there is a robust uh, interest online in, in all things green, many green bloggers, many online communities of people interested in, in environmental issues. And we, as a company, have had a very um, um, established commitment to environmentalism. We, we have a uh, world-class green headquarters building. We're building a green research facility in China, in Beijing, and uh, a number of other exciting initiatives. And we were able to get into conversations with bloggers. Um, we were able to take some of our content that we were generating through mainstream channels and bring that to the uh, attention of people in the online communities. So we had a real success in that area. And the other uh, area for us was we were able to create our own corporate blog, which was a real process. It took us months of working through this, how we were going to do it, what we were going to focus on, what our approach was going to be. But the, the blog focuses on our social responsibility program uh, principally our free drug program in the developing world, and it's authored by the woman who manages that program, and she uh, writes blog posts when she travels to places like Egypt and India and Cape Verde and Cuba and uh, just talks about her experiences there. And what it's done for us as a company is allowed us to show the human side of the company, the personal side of the company, through this one employee's experience. And uh, and now we're continuing to uh, you know look for other ways that we can inter uh, integrate social media into all of the uh, traditional uh, communication that we do. Hey, Bo, how did you convince you know sort of internally? Uh, you know, it sounds like you moved a little slowly, but you know picked up momentum. But what one comment I get back, especially in your category, is that you know. Uh, there's a lot of internal rules and regulations, and then, of course, there's HIPAA, and, and mm -hmm. lawyers are nervous about things that are said. Um, you know, and I'm sure that's top of mind of some of the people in, in your industry that haven't yet, you know, dipped their toe into social yeah. media. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We are in a highly regulated industry. The one thing we have going for us is there is a culture of risk-taking in the industry, biotech uh, is an entrepreneurial industry in Genzyme, despite uh, the fact that we are 25 years old and a large company still maintains that culture. So the um, appetite for trying something new in communications was there. And we didn't face roadblocks, per se. We just needed to take the time to educate people. So it was lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people from regulatory affairs. So anyone who's familiar with biotech or pharmaceutical industry knows that um, we have to be incredibly mindful of complying with um, FDA requirements about our external communication. So we had to 
explain, first of all, you have to explain what is social media, what's a blog, uh, what's an online uh, community, what are, you know, and, and build that level of knowledge and then explain here's what we want to do and here's why it, uh, here's our strategy and why it's going to work for the company. And, um, you know, we then listen to them and, and get their input on how best to, um, to proceed in a way that's compliant uh, legally and from a regulatory perspective. And, uh, and then once we were able to get some things off the ground, we wanted to build awareness internally. So, again, it's a series of individual conversations. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, we, we did receive overwhelming support. It was, it was uh, you know, kind of an innovative communications initiative, and, and those kind, that kind of innovation is embraced within the company. And you specifically have, if I recall, a a a, uh, a blog policy, um, you know, that uh, sort of has been written down and and distributed. Is that correct? That you worked with your your legal team? Yeah, we had to. Um, well, a couple of things we had to learn how to do. I mean, one, we had a comment policy. Um, we 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 do um, allow people to post comments on the blog, so we had to work with. The legal team and in our, you know, our social media advisors at Dig to come up with something that made sense. We also have, I mean, I think um, I work in the corporate group, so we've been using social media for corporate reputation purposes. But um, people think about the industry; they also think about marketing and uh, communications with physicians or patients and. So there is also an internal policy that was set set out by um, some of the marketing groups about governing employee participation in um, blogs and online chat rooms and so on. And um, so that that's in place within the company too, so that we are being uh, respectful and appropriate. And uh, when it comes to communities of patients with particular diseases or physician communities and so on. Um, we're going to take a short commercial break right now, and please stand by, and we'll be right back with Bo Piel of Genzyme and more of the conversation around uh, really starting to move into social media, especially in the uh, highly regulated biotechnology and, and healthcare industries. We'll be right back at Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Welcome back to our coverage of the 17th Annual Golf Invitational, brought to you by SureHits.com. When looking for the right ad network, there seem to be unlimited choices. Go with the only network that targets the insurance industry, SureHits.com. Let's head down to the fairway. Here we are at the 18th hole. Odd choice for Ken Mitchum to not go with SureHits.com here. I mean, they are the only ad network that targets the insurance industry. Definitely a strange choice to not pick the best option for publishers in the finest category, but, oh, here's a swing. Oh, look out, folks. Terrible slice into the woods. Jeff Burns now stepping up to the fairway. And it looks like he's already chosen SureHits.com. Clearly the best choice since they pay more for quality traffic. And the swing. Oh, my, he crushes it. When getting ready to make your drive, go with a sure thing. SureHits.com. For insurance, it's SureHits. 
Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles. At hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Domain Masters. Rick Schwartz, a.k.a. Domain King and Webfather. The Europeans should be snapping up these dot-coms because they're getting a great value because of the weak dollar. Same thing with the housing market. With a weak dollar, the people from other parts of the world can come in with a stronger currency and really get some great value. If that happens, that will uh, save the day. And historically, it has happened. If it doesn't happen, I think we're in for a really, really tough ride. Domain Masters. Live broadcast Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of surf, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Bo Piello, Vice President of Corporate Communications at Genzyme one of the largest biotechnology firms in the world. And we're talking about the future of social media and its impact on his industry. Hey, Bo, we were talking about your blogs. Um, we didn't talk about the reaction. You know, what's been both internal and external, would you say, um, is a rea- reaction to, uh, to uh, you know, both the categories that you mm-hmm. went at, uh, the green category and then the... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the high cost of, uh, mm-hmm. of drugs. Yeah, so uh, the internal reaction to the blog has been very, very positive. Uh, we get a lot of congratulations and employees like it. Um, externally, um, we've, we've gotten some positive reaction too. I can tell you that <clears throat> we have work to do in terms of promoting it and um, really getting... Um, uh, getting more engagement from outside stakeholders, posting comments and so on. But that that's in our plan for this year. We've last year was about getting the blog off the ground, learning how to do it, and launching it. And I think we're really happy with what we produced. This year is about maximizing the value of it. So we're going to do that in two ways. One is we're going to work with the blog's author, uh, Tommy Tierney to come up with ways of uh, increasing the frequency of her posts. I think anyone um, who, you know, embarks on this course needs to be aware that these things are very difficult to sustain. You, uh, you need to update them very regularly, and you need to be creative in, uh, you know, the kinds of posts you're making. 
and then also uh, really going out there and making sure that people are aware of the blog and reading it so that they can uh, be leaving comments and we can really have kind of a dynamic communication going on. So that's in our plans for this year. Regarding the environmental awareness, I mean, one immediate impact is we had a uh, teleconference about um, three or four weeks ago with uh, the green with a group of green bloggers. This was the first time we had done this, and it was a real success. We, we um, as I had mentioned earlier, we, we have a very um, substantial environmental program here with our buildings, and we just said, hey, we should have a conversation with these green bloggers and tell them a little bit about what we're doing, but allow them to uh, ask questions and talk to us about what they're hearing. And uh, it was an hour long, and it, we, we got about uh, eight different uh, participants, and we had a really, really nice conversation. But what was amazing is that virtually all of them uh, wrote one or more blog posts about the teleconference and about Genzyme's programs, which for anyone working in traditional media relations know that that's a very high output. We can work with reporters uh, all we want, and you know the the number of times they're going to write about that is what you want them to write about is very um, few. But we we were able to generate lots of blog coverage, and then we were able to share that with employees. Particularly, we have a group of employees who serve as volunteer tour guides for our green buildings, and we like to keep them um, educated on all things, all all sorts of trends and what's happening in the environmental world, and so they were really excited to see this kind of coverage of the building. You know, I get that question a lot from uh, uh, from people uh, thinking about, um, you know, doing more work in social media, that it's um, hard to balance the new digital media relations like that you bring up, and traditional media has... Has your initial work with uh, with social media and marketing really opened Genzyme's eyes to a, a whole new you know rash of, of digital media relations? It's probably only going to grow in its impact, I would guess. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think we were learning where where the the fit is for digital media relations in in the overall program. I think it's an important component. It's it's not only a practice, but it's an attitude. Um, it, you know, when you start working in this area, you realize we can be a little bit more informal in our communications, and we can be a little bit more open in, in our interactions with the outside world, which I think is so the, the, the kind of spirit of social media does have an impact on the rest of our communications. We've become more comfortable about leaving comments ourselves in um, blogs, and getting into um, discussions with the bloggers. And I think they've been very uh, welcoming um, of a company participating and and having that kind of openness. So, um, again, lots of work to be done, lots to learn, but um, I feel good that, you know, know, we've made the investment in understanding this and trying some things, and it gets easier and more comfortable now as you go along. Would love to get your opinion, Bo, on a, on a couple sites that um, uh, you might be aware of, because actually they're in your neck of the woods there in, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, and sort of the, not just the sites, but the general 
you know, focus of what they're trying to accomplish. The, the first is, is one called uh, Patients Like Me that, that uh, works on um, getting patients that have um, the same disease to share information with one another and, and talk to one another and sort of record uh, the good and the bad and, and the ugly about the process. Uh, and the second is more about physician communications, and it's called CERMO. Uh, dot com and uh, it's tr- building a, a hu- it's seemingly a huge uh, audience of physicians to talk about everything from side effects of, of drugs to uh, to uh, patient care. Um, just some comments or reactions to you know this kind of wave that seems to be starting to build uh, you know in, in the digital space. Yeah, Sermo is uh, is is fairly well known in the industry, and I think it's a good thing for physicians to have that. Uh, opportunity to be connecting with each other through that social network. Um, patients like me is not one that I'm familiar with, though um, we do see, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we operate, we, we, we make medicines for, in some cases, very, very rare diseases, um, diseases that most people have never heard of, Gaucher disease, Fabre disease, that affect just a few thousand people uh, Worldwide, and so patients and their families in these uh, communities have always relied on some sort of tool to keep them connected. Usually, uh, what we would now call primitive chat rooms, but uh, uh, they are the need for people in medicine, whether they are patients or physicians, to be able to connect with each other is 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 fundamental. Um, one thing I'd say about um, information out on uh, in on the web and, and sites like this, what you'll notice is that if um, there's there's the the level of information and the quality of information about diseases and their treatment varies tremendously throughout uh, the web and the blogosphere. Um, and one of the practices that we've uh, been working on is to go out and make sure if there is a particular disease that the information is up-to-date and accurate and if there is a treatment available, uh, for example, if uh, we receive FDA approval for a treatment, that the sites reflect that because we do know that patients and, and physicians will be the first thing they do is scour the Internet for information about their disease, and we want to be sure wherever they go, uh, they're getting good quality information. What does the roadmap for social media look like for Genzyme now? If you had a look your, you know, out, you would mention promoting the blog some more, but mm-hmm. do you think it will eventually evolve into actually building communities around the specific rare diseases and education and connecting the patients like we were just talking about and, you know, maybe um, uh, increasing uh, the number of bloggers within uh, the company um, mm-hmm. uh, expertise. Is there, have, have you given that some thought, Bo? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the online communities for patients or disease, particular diseases is something that I know people are thinking through. Here at the company, um, it's managed uh, practically in the, within the marketing organization, so it's not something that I would have a lot of influence on, but I know they are, are clearly thinking about it. it within my, my group, we, we have clearly thought about 
you know, could we start another blog? Could we increase the number of bloggers out there externally? And what would we do? And at this point, um, are hesitant to to do this again because of the commitment it requires to to sustain it. So our efforts are, you know, going to be focused on maximizing the value of what we've created. The real um, new new uh, initiative for us will be trying to incorporate um, social media techniques and practices and the spirit of social media in our internal communications, where I think we should be able to have some success. So uh, what do I mean by that? Well, we publish a uh, publication called Inside Genzyme a couple times a week, and uh, we usually have some great stories about what's happening, uh, feature story, uh, one or two feature stories a week on what's happening in the company throughout the world. Uh, but right now, uh, employees can't interact with those stories, and it just seems in at this point that employees and are just accustomed to be able to post a comment or to react to the story in some visible way, and so we want to add that kind of feature to our program. Um, we want to be able to allow the people who are writing these stories to have a different voice and maybe have a blog. So instead of um, just writing traditional style news articles, uh, we could co- complement that with a blog where you could see the person writing and uh, they would be writing in a more personal uh, point of view. And uh, lastly, we would like to inco- incorporate a lot more uh, audio and video into our internal communications program, and we're making good progress in that area, but I'm sure many of the listeners will um, relate that uh your ability to kind of move in these areas is always linked to how quickly your information technology group is able and willing to to, to provide the support. Well, you know, and as, as I said in my last book, the web's moving, you know, very fast to a, more of a visual representation of information. So hopefully the IT guys will will help us out because more and more people really do want to just watch uh, watch and listen uh, versus reading. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you when you start to look at websites and you realize how they are largely print-based and then you just start to think ahead and say, I can imagine websites looking a lot different in a few years and having the ratio of print to, to video being a lot different. Hey, you know, you bring up that internal uh, part. A lot of a lot of us all forget that it's not all external. That you can use social media yeah. techniques very effectively internally. I sort of like maybe just some short comments on. I think it was was it the Vertex companies whose CEO yeah. had an internal blog. Maybe you could mention a little bit of just uh, your view of of the success of that. Yeah, I like that. So Vertex is a small uh, biotech company uh, based here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And they, uh, what they explained to us was that they um, had evaluated whether a CEO blog would be appropriate for external communication and had chosen uh, instead what worked for them was to have the blog be for internal purposes. And their chief executive, Joshua Boger, has been, is very visible uh, externally but uh, also is a good writer and, and likes to communicate. And so he has been 
uh, keeping up his blog for employees. A couple of things. He he went on a um, trade mission with our state government to China and was able to um, blog uh, throughout his trip and provide his employees with a glimpse of what he was working on and what the experience was like. And I believe we were also told that he had blogged about, um, you know, some aspects of of board meetings to kind of give employees a little bit of a glimpse at uh, what actually happens and what the experience is like. So I think um, it seemed like something that many companies could implement. Um, The challenges would be, you know, sustaining it. And uh, the real value of the Vertex blog is that the CEO does all the writing. Uh, doesn't rely on the communications professionals at all. And uh, so the blog is certainly uh, credible and authentic. Well, Bo, thanks so much for being uh, our guest today. That time went really fast. And I sure did. Also want to thank you. I also want to thank you for uh, being a social media soldier here and pushing, uh, pushing that ahead in an industry that I think um, is probably – you know, one of the greatest industries that could use social media for the success of, of all constituencies involved. And I also understand you're, you're ready to go on vacation, so thanks for taking your, uh, your time and, and have a great vacation, and thanks for joining us on Market Edge. Well, you're welcome, Larry, and I want to thank you for uh, helping open our eyes to uh, the possibilities of social media those years ago, and, and here we are, and uh, we've feel like we're in a good spot and have made great progress and are ready to take it forward. And everybody out there in the audience, uh, keep trying and, and keep tuning in. Uh, again, next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time in the United States at webmasterradio.fm. This is Larry Weber, your host for Market Edge. See you next time. <laughs>